everyone and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba and I'm joined by my colleague Steve Wiss, my co-host. Steve, how are you? All right, John. Uh, not too bad, mate. Um, yeah, ticking along fairly nicely, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, enjoying the summer so far and uh, here's another podcast for us to, to talk about a lot of things. Yep, there is indeed and we're going to we're going to go straight into it this week. We've got uh, a few things to talk about. Uh, the transfer windows are open now in Sweden and Norway. So we've got some deals to be done. And as well as that, we've had a, a really interesting European round, haven't we, Steve, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about. And we're also going to dip into the latest goings on in Sweden and Norway. This week, we're going to start with Norway. Uh, and Steve, first place to really begin, I think, is European football. And I'm going to kick it all off with the Haug, Haugesund. An incredible result seeing off Sturmgratz. Um, and yeah, I think that has to be the biggest story of the week, really, doesn't it? It really does. And um, I, I mentioned on last week's podcast that um, a lot of professional gamblers were betting against uh, Haugesund uh, in the first leg. Well, they were doing exactly the same in the second leg. Sturmgratz were an absolute banker to win, uh, not just to win, but to win by more than one goal margin. And it was 2-0 after 50 minutes, and it didn't look very good for, for Hogerson, but uh, they came back really well. Um, got a goal from uh, someone called uh, Krygaard, who's a young, a new young player who's kind of emerged at the club. Um, and they got the away goal, and I think as soon as that happened, um, it kind of knocked, knocked the stuffing out of the Austrian outfits. Um, and they've got a fantastic reward. They've got PSV... Um, in, in the next round, uh, oh yeah, yeah, probably going to get knocked out. But uh, what a fantastic tie for a, for a club like uh, Augustund. And uh, I mean, what, they've had a great period. They actually played really well in the league as well on Sunday. I don't know how the bloody hell they're out there managing it, John. Their squad is thin, uh, you know, threadbare, down to its bare bones with injuries and, and stuff like that. But they just keep knocking them out. Um, fantastic achievement. Yeah, really, truly superb result, has to be said. Um, a few other results to touch on. I mean, in Norwegian terms, obviously, Molde won 3-1 at Kukurichi. Uh, that was an interesting game as well, wasn't it, Steve? And I think there was a few others as well, wasn't there? I mean, from a Norwegian, from a Swedish point of view, Beko Hacken against AZ is one I want to talk about quickly. Um, but yeah, which other results caught your eye? I mean, Lipadja won, uh, Norshipping won 1-0 at Lipadja to qualify. Uh, Malmo 3-2 against Domzali to win that one uh, 5-4 in aggregate. At one point they were losing, in fact. But uh, yeah, a couple other teams have come through as well. Uh, we mentioned Haugesund there. And I think... Isn't it for some of the teams? The I mean, obviously the ones that stuck out stood out to me was the AIK result. Because if they had gone through, through we'd have had our dream clash, Rosenborg against AIK, and we probably would have been doing a massive, massive preview for this on Sunday night or something. Uh, instead, we get uh, Maribor against uh, Rosenborg. So uh, I, was, I was absolutely gutted that AIK bollocks that one up with about three minutes to go in extra time. Um, but uh, it, by and large, it was a fairly good week for, Scandin- for Scandinavian teams. Uh, it's only Norway and Sweden anyway. Uh, I mean, AIK are still in Europe, at least from their point of view. Um, it was always going to be a big, big test for Hecken, wasn't it, against uh, AZ Alkmaar. But there's still quite a few teams left in Europe. And, I mean, I've had a quick look at the draws today. 
And from what I have seen uh, from the Norwegian point of view, it's certainly fairly kind. So um, there's every chance that these teams might be, you know, from um, Rosenborg and Molder might be representing uh, Norway in the group stages. Most definitely. Um, now, you wanted to talk about the Hecken against AZ game. Uh, what did you make of it? Well, in the end, AZ Alkmaar outclassed Hecken. Uh, I really enjoyed the match, though. I thought it was a very good spectacle and a good advert for, for Swedish football uh, and also Dutch football. I was really impressed with AZ. They have some really exciting young players. Um, I didn't expect them to do so well, I'll be honest, but they, they just had too much pace. They had an 18-year-old striker up front who I was very, very impressed with. Um, it really just tore them apart. His name is Myron Boadu. I think he's some talent to watch in the future. And um, yeah, I think Rasmus uh, Lindgren will be having nightmares about that player. Um, there was one, if I mean, the first goal, he just absolutely skinned him and finished left-footed. Um, yeah, Hacken started quite well and it looked as if they may be in, you know, maybe giving them a challenge. But really... You know, the biggest problem with Hacken there was just the not signing of um, the, the non-registration of Alexander Yeremiev, their, their star player, their best striker. Well, maybe apart from Paulinho, but they're, they're sort of main number nine. Um, they failed to register him as an administrative, administrative error, Steve. Can you believe it? And for that reason, they couldn't play him in either leg. And I really think that was very, very costly. Um, they played a Ghanaian sort of rookie debutant, uh, more or less, um, up front, Kazito, who'd only played sort of 27 minutes since he's joined uh, Hacken. And he had his big chance, but he really looked out of his depth. And it was a big shame because I think with Jeremy, if maybe that would have been a little bit more of a chance for them, a bit better of a hold-up player. Um, someone who can bring players into, into the game, you know, hold the ball up, uh, good in the air. Um, and I think players like Paulino and Dalejo Iran just missed the kind of player who would do that and just retain the ball. But, you know, Hacken have got quite a small pitch, quite a compact uh, stadium. And those AZ players up front really just were too strong uh, and ran away with it 3-0 really in a completely deserved result. Yeah, I think I messaged you at the weekend of this administrative error. I mean, that's a sacking offence, in my opinion, unless someone's been really unlucky along the way. But that's just... That's dire, isn't it? There's no excuses for that. That could cost them that hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, they probably would have got knocked out anyway, wouldn't they? But um, that's shocking. Um, there's absolutely no excuse. He should be the first one on the team sheet, shouldn't he? Well, it has cost them hundreds of thousands of pounds because if, if they had you know, been any, any sort of position to qualify, they would have needed him. Um, you know, and having got through the first uh, leg, nil-nil, you know, they could have really done with a player like him up front. But yeah, it was a, you know, a, a shame and a sad way to go out. I'm not saying it would have influenced the result massively because AZ really did outclass them, especially the back line. I think they were just way too quick for the Elsvenskan players there. Uh, it was something they were not really used to playing against, I think, that speed. Um, so yeah, out they go. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, gutting that AIK will not be playing Rosenborg, having been eliminated. But we do have some qualifiers this week coming up. Um, and I don't know what games you'll be looking for. I mean, Maribor against Rosenborg is, is mm -hmm. obviously the big one in terms of Champions League qualifying. And then on Thursday as well, we have a couple of other games. We've got Moldo against Aris. Uh, interesting there is that uh, Daniel Sundgren, who was at AOK, could be part of that squad for the Greeks. 
Sheriff against AIK, who are still in Europe but dropped down into the Europa League. Uh, Haugesund PSV, which is a massive game. And Malmo against Srijinski. So that's a couple of other games. And North Shopping as well. Don't forget North Shopping. They have Hapoel Beer Sheva from Israel. Yeah, I mean, I've looked at um, Mulder's draw. I mean, Aris, I have to say, I don't know much about them, but they, um, by all accounts, they were lucky in the previous round against one of the Cypriot sides. It looks a favourable draw to me on paper. I mean, there's quite a few really good teams in this draw. I mean, even Malmo have got a decent one, haven't they? Zurinsky, Mostar. I mean, that looks a, a winnable match. Um, you know, it's... I mean, Norshipping's match as well. I think that's that's a very winnable fixture. It, it, things have gone quite favourable in this section, uh, I would say. Uh, that, that That's for sure. Apart from I mean, Holgerson, obviously, they'd do them. If they beat PSV Eindhoven, it'd be one of the biggest shocks ever, wouldn't it? But, uh, you know, you never know, do you, in, in football? Well, 2013, I think, was the last time uh, for a Swedish team in Hacken, anyway, certainly, for getting to the latter stages. Um, they won't be there this time around. And Haugesson, I'm not entirely sure when the last time they, they made it this far was. Steve, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. Do you see any of the players, uh, sorry, teams making it through to the group stages? I mean, they've done the draw today for the, for the next round if teams qualify. Um, looking at it as it pans out, can you see any teams from Sweden or Norway getting to the, yeah. to the holy grail of the group stage? Well, let's start with Champions League. If Rosenborg get past Maribor, then they'll be facing Dynamo Zagreb or Ferenc Varos. It's probably going to be Dynamo Zagreb, isn't it? I mean, that's no gimme. But even if they were to lose that, then they would be in the uh, Europa League group stage automatically. So that's all Rosenborg have to do to get into, into a group stage. That's doable. Just beat Maribor. Um, the rest of Mulder have actually got fate. I looked at their uh, the next round draw, and I think someone like Partizan Belgrade or Yeni Maliatiaspor. Who the fuck are they? <laughs> and Partizan Belgrade. I mean, that's a that's a. They're not what they were, are they? Um, and then I don't know who the other teams from um, Sweden have got in the in the next round, but. Um, Certainly, I could see Mulder making the uh, the group stage, yeah. Interesting, yeah. From my point of view, I think team that looks best placed for me right now, I think North Shopping have a good chance, actually, against the Israeli team, uh, Besheva. Malmo should, you would think, have a good chance as well, coming through. AIK Sheriff, I've lost a bit of faith in AIK based on the last round. I think they could have done better there and... You know, this is a slightly easier game in terms of coefficient against um, the, you know, who, who sh- the man who shot the sheriff. But uh, I still think it could be, I still think it could be a difficult one from AIK, just given the way they tend to perform at times in Europe. Um, but we shall see. If Let's ARK, move on. If AIK um, make it through, they'll face the loser of Celtic or Cluj in the next round. And if Norshipping make it through, they're probably going to end up facing Feyenoord. So tricky. Well, North Shopping final would be one hell of a hell of a clash. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Uh, it seems like there's a bit of a sort of Scandinavia against Holland uh, affair as a, at the moment, isn't there? Uh, but favourable for Malmo if they win, then they will be facing uh, Nefsi Baku or Benai Yehuda, who are Israeli, by the way. I mean, 
they, that's a great chance for Malmo, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I believe one of them has could get Apoel as well, isn't it? Because I read something saying that Linus Hellenius could play against one of the teams. I'm not entirely sure which one, to be honest. So These draws always do my head in, mate, to be honest with you. They just, um, they're very complicated. There's a lot to do with seeding and coefficient. And um, <laughs> I always get it wrong. Every time I tweet something about this, someone tweets me in the, wrong, in the other direction. There's a lot yeah, of and I think, I think one thing to say as well on that is it's slightly unfair, isn't it, at times when you see, you know, teams that are champions of their actual leagues. Mm. Um having to face each other in third qualifying rounds and things like that when you've got bigger bigger teams who have finished fourth in their domestic league just because it's a bigger league. Um, getting a, a you know a straightforward pathway to the group stages, but I guess money talks in the in the UEFA Champions League, doesn't it really, in, in the Europa League to a certain extent. And it's not necessarily always about sporting merit. No. But let's move on. Um, transfer window is open in Norway. And there's already been a couple of deals, hasn't there, Steve? So, Take it away on some deals that have excited you. And we're going to you know, start with Norway in this podcast, really. Uh, we'll move on to talk about the league as well in general. But um, let's, let's kick it off with the transfer window. What are you expecting from this window? Will there be a lot of movement or are you expecting a slow one? I'm expecting a lot of movement, actually, to be honest, John. I think there's going to be a lot of that. Uh, we actually had a question, didn't we? Um, just tonight. Uh, quick question. Before his debut tomorrow, what can we expect from Frank Bolly in general at Ferenc Varos? Has he already reached his peak there or is there more to come and could Hungary be a stepping stone for him? Right, well, he's moved from Starbeck to Ferenc Varos. Uh, I don't know what the fee is here. So um, I may be doing, doing him a slight disservice, but I actually think Frank Bolly's one of those players who is a bit overrated, um, unfortunately. He misses too many chances for my liking. Um, there's no doubt there's some great skill and flair there and he's a good physical player. However, but and he misses his clinic, clinical. He's not clinical enough in front of goal on a consistent basis, in my personal opinion. The amount of times he's gone through with a big chance, and you've got your head in your hands if you're back in Starbeck or on the overs, because um, you just don't know how he hasn't scored. Um, he's not clinical enough. Whether or not he's going to get a glut in the chances for Ferenc Varos, I don't know. I'm guessing they're one of the best sides in their league. Um, I'm, I mean, who knows what the Hungarian league is like? Maybe such a poor level he can thrive there. But uh, honestly, I think he's a bit of an overrated player, to be honest, John. Um, you know, so I think from what I know about the Hungarian league, it's about on par with right. uh, Norway, Sweden, is it not? Uh, maybe, maybe slightly goals. He, he's probably one of them strikers who'll score quite a lot of goals for them. And at the end of the season, they're thinking he probably should have had double. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, the stats show that he's scored 55 goals in 139 games uh, as a striker anyway, and 61 goals in 157 games in total for Starbeck with 15 assists, which is, is a pretty good record, to be honest. Mm. Uh, previously at Arlesons as well, where he had seven goals in 29. But yeah, according to the Meatman Soccer there, maybe not the most highest rated of players. Uh, who else has caught your eye in this window so far, Steve? Well, Starbeck have brought in a defensive midfielder, central midfielder called Total Lamanza from Omlanispor in Turkey. He, he actually played at Starbeck a couple of years ago and was very good. Um, a strong engine in midfield for them. I think he'll go uh, pretty well. Um, um, what else so far? Well, uh, Vikings signed uh, Benjamin Kalman 
from uh, FC Inter in uh, Finland. A striker they're hoping will do well for them. Uh, Sarpsburg have signed five players already in this window, which is incredible. I, I mentioned them in the, in the last podcast, but they've added a few more players since then. Although one of them, Mate Malles from Cluj, unfortunately, has already got injured. So there'd been a, a glutton of injuries, Sarpsburg. I, for some, they always get a lot of injuries. I think it's their artificial pitch. Um, there's certain types of artificial pitch um, in in the world, which just have a knack of getting in play, uh, injured uh, players on them, but anyway, um, they've been pretty active. Uh, Valerenga obviously have lost uh, Shadira Juka. They've signed a centre forward from FC Michelin today, Mayron George. Um, who I mean, I don't know much about him at all, to be honest. Maybe he'll be uh, a useful player for them. They have been linked with a Philadelphia Union player called Corey Burke who um, I wouldn't actually recommend they get him because he lives up to his surname, unfortunately. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't really... If they're listening, if they're listening, don't buy it. He won't do very well for you. Um, but they have been strongly linked with the striker there. Um, yeah, this who's, the, who's the number one player in the... You know, if you had to pick one transfer, the best transfer so far of the window, who, who, is, who, who would you pick? Well, I, I still like Lenny Nangis from to Sarpsborg. He didn't play... Um, at the weekend, um, I'm guessing because he's not ready yet. But I still think Lenny Nangis uh, to Sarpsborg could be potentially... He's a risk, don't get me wrong. He's a risky player, but he could really pay off because he's got a high skill level uh, for this league. Uh, so that's the one that I like at the moment. Um, I quite like Musa Moussa Nji, uh, uh, who's, got, who's moved to odds, uh, the left winger there. He's replaced Sanders Svensson. He'll add a good bit of pace to them. Okay, well, title challenge is odd, which we'll come on to shortly. Uh, I've re- reinforced there, as you mentioned. And, yeah, Sarpsborg, who were, uh, well, bottom two of the leagues, battling relegation, so they really will need Lenny Nanjis to step up. But we discussed him in the last podcast, so let's quickly move on. Uh, we have a question from, I think it's the artist formerly known as Ted Cruz Ate My Son, who has now popped up as at YouTube channel Pub Open. And he asks, which player will be leaving Rosenborg next? And where would you imagine him going to? Um, I think Nicholas Bentner will be leaving Rosenborg next. And I think he'll go to some sort of crap championship club in England. Um, So, uh, yeah, I would say that's possibly likely there from from Rosenborg. The rest of the squad, (coughs) off the top of my head... Um, I'm not entirely sure actually I was going to say Paul andre Helen, but he actually came in with a brilliant performance um, in the last Champions League qualifying round so he'd probably stay there now this season but uh, Bentner's going to end up somewhere not that he's been playing at all um, anyway but I think apart from that they're probably not going to be too many outs at Rosenborg at the moment They're doing quite well haven't they they've picked up from since their early season slumbers They have picked up and What's happened is the, the players have um, decided to perform. I said it at the start of the year, if you, me or you suddenly got put in charge of that squad, um, at some point the, the player, the, we would come good because the, the, the simple fact is the core quality of the players in the squad is just too good. Um, at some point, they're gonna, these guys are gonna want to put themselves 
in the eye, especially in these European matches, it seems quite a lot of these uh, players are wanting to perform and put themselves in the shop window um, because it's a really good way to attract the eye of potential uh, buyers, isn't it? Um, but everyone's really up for it in Europe. And, um, you know, they seem in a, in a better phase, to be honest with you, due to Rosenborg right now. Uh, quite how much... I'm not going to start crediting the coach too much because I don't think he's had an awful lot to do with it. Um, certainly on the field, his tactics have stayed the same. And I don't think... I think he needs to be uh, rotating the squad a bit more as a ridiculously low plane comes near my house. Um Bloody hell, I thought it was going to crash into my house then. Um, but, um, yeah, he may be behind the scenes in terms of his man management. I think that's probably improved and it needed to. Low-flying planes and uh, low-flying uh, champions of Norway there in Rosenborg who are currently sixth in the table and will need to step it up. But they've <laughs> recovered fairly well of late, so we'll keep an eye on them. Uh, Steve, I've got a couple of uh, interesting bits of transfer tidbits before we move on to discussing the league. Uh, the first one that broke tonight is about Hakon Evian. <coughs> this is quite an interesting development because according to VG in, in Norway, the, the publication, the, the newspaper, they've uh, scouts from Manchester United and Manchester City were actually at the game tonight watching Hakon Evian, uh, the player that we've talked about quite often on this podcast, a very young talented Norwegian under-20 international. Um, the club have also admitted, uh, according to VG, that you know, they've confirmed these reports that City and United were watching him and have said that they, you know, they would be open to a sale if the price is right. Um, and if not, that he could potentially be on his way to either Belgium or Holland. Steve, what do you make of this development? And just tell us a little bit more about Hakon Evi and his season so far. Maybe just for people who don't know much about him, just tell us. Uh, you know, listeners from England maybe who may not know him, for example, what kind of player is he? Uh, and a little bit more on, on that whole rumour. Yes, well, um, I, I mentioned this in the last podcast as well. He's a very, um, he's an offensive player. He plays on the right wing at the moment for Buda Glimt. Um, he actually started his life as uh, a right back, I do believe. Um, so he actually started has- his life. <laughs> In fo- he started his <laughs> life in football as a right back <laughs> and uh, so he actually has some decent defensive qualities in terms of uh, pace tracking back positioning timing a good tackle he's not the, the most physically strong um, I will say that but um, you know in terms of going forward he's got great balance um, he knows how to pick a pass out got the eye for a spectacular goal as we know before uh, he scored a couple of goals tonight, actually, against Strums Goodser. And, um, you know, it's obvious that he's a top talent who's... He's probably the hottest young talent property in Norwegian football right now. To be honest, the cupboard is fairly bare, unfortunately. But uh, he does stand out like a sore thumb as being one of the, the very best talents out there in the elite Serien at the moment. And I think Buda Glimp know that. They know that then they're going to lose him in this window. So they're pretty much putting him up for sale and um, they want to try and get as much money as they can for him. I'm sure they'd love a bidding war, wouldn't they, for this player? And if they play their cards right, they can probably get a few million for him and along with a few uh, extra future incentives. So, um, yeah, it's, um, he's obviously a, a good player. He, look, he reminds me a bit of last year where I think Clubs from 30, 33 different clubs sent scouts to uh, an Erling Harlan game, didn't they, in the Europa League for Molden? 
And uh, all right, we're not at that level yet here, are we? But um, let's just say if Man United and Man City are looking out, then there'll be other clubs around Europe keeping their tabs on him, won't they? Well, yeah, and I'm going to read you a couple of quotes uh, from the Glimp trainer, Kiet Diel Knutsen, uh, who said he's no stranger to the interest uh, in Evian. And when he was asked about the player's future, he said, look, from my point of view, I hope we can keep him for the season. Uh, and he was asked, is Manchester City the right step for him? And he said, it's a big step, but Manchester City are a club that likes to sign players in the, for the long term. So I expect there'll be some intermediary steps before eventually going to City, uh, maybe alone. So it looks like he's kind of well briefed on the whole situation. Um, and he said that we have to keep in mind he's a Budu Glimp player and he must keep that in mind too, trying to keep his head firmly on the ground, I guess, to a certain extent. But it looks as if he has encouraged the move in some of his comments as well. Um, Steve, just on that one before we move on, you mentioned there um, about Haaland, Erling Brat Haaland. How would you compare Evian's potential ceiling to Brat Haaland's? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think Brat Haaland's got a higher ceiling because of, but that's all to do with the position he plays in and He's so strong. He's a beast. He's been described as a beast already at Salzburg, and that you know you can tell why. Through his age, he's so strong and tall and, and physical. Um, Evian is uh, it's, it's a completely different position, so it's kind of hard to compare in a way. A lot will depend on his next club that he goes to. He's still a high ceiling. Don't get me wrong. Um, Man City would actually be a great move, I think, for him, and also for Buda Glimp because. I do know, for example, Man- Manchester City bought a Columbus crew keeper called uh, Zach Steffen, who's actually the US number one now. Anyway, they bought him, but they loaned him back to Columbus crew for about, um, I think, another year, effectively. Um, and that would be fantastic. If Buda Glim could get him back on loan until the end of the year, they could finish in a medal spot this year, for sure. Maybe, maybe even win the league, who knows? Um, but if he sold to somewhere like Belgium, they're gonna, he's going to be gone straight away, isn't he? And um, that's the end of it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, yeah, Man City kind of do this, don't they? they? They buy these players. They might not even play a single minute for Man City ever. But they end up making a good profit on them, don't they? It's just a well. It's about the football business now, isn't it? Liverpool done exactly the same in recent years too. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong there. And just to wrap up on Hakon Evian, he's a 19-year-old player, and this season he has six goals and three assists in 14 appearances, which is pretty good for a teenager kind of just breaking through. Uh, and Budo Glimt, just to touch on them as well, having a fantastic season, as you just mentioned there, you know, second in their table, two points, uh, sorry, four points behind Mulder with two games in hand. So they are definitely not out of this title race whatsoever. And let's move on to that title race now, Steve, because you wanted to touch on Mulder, who are top of the table, but they they've been kind of... Slipping a little bit of late, haven't they? Yeah, and this this match against Weekend at the weekend, they won it two nil. Um, but it, it stood up, in, stood out in my mind at the end of the fixture, um, how important it could be in terms of the season as a whole. There was someone who was interacting. Um, I think it was David uh, Gold, Joe Gold. Um, reply: He said he caught the Molder match today, put it together in the end. That's championship winning stuff, and absolutely right. That's the sort of match that champions win. They rested players um, for the game. They rested Magnus Wolf-Eichram, Licky James. Uh, it was a risk. And the first half, there wasn't much in it. 
And then Viking actually had a period in the second half where they were really on top. And I thought, bloody hell, Viking are going to score here. And they had one chance which was cleared off a line just by a defender. I don't know how Mulder kept that one out, to be honest with you. And it looked like it was heading towards a nil-nil, but then uh, they brought their super subs on and both Lecky James and Magnus Wolfram scored with about 10 or 15 minutes to go. And uh, it was a kind of get out of jail, really. They didn't play very well. They didn't deserve the win, but they got the three points. And that's what champions do, isn't it? It is indeed. And they are top of the table looking good. And as you said, they're potential champions with Buda Glimt and Odd hanging on uh, to their coattails. We'll be back after this short break. We're going to move on to Sweden in a minute, aren't we, Steve? So join us in the second half when we will... Be back to have a little chat about the latest goings on in the Altonscan. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm joined by Jonathan Fredugba. In this section, we're going to be talking about Swedish football. So, uh, things are very interesting at the top of the Arsvenskan right now. Uh, Malmö didn't have a match, so it was a chance for the other teams to uh, catch up on them, take advantage. And, uh, well, Jürgen, they uh, certainly did again. I mentioned in the last podcast how that defence of theirs seems to be really keeping them very strong. And another win to nil for Jürgen, John. Clean sheet. And they currently have arguably the best player in the league in Marcus Danielson, who we will talk about shortly. Uh, and yes, you're right there, Steve. It was another clean sheet for them. Another uh, another solid defensive performance. I mean, it was against Elfsborg, who are not you know, the strongest of teams. But they got the job done where others failed. And a few other teams have failed miserably this weekend just to prove to you that um, this league is not easy to win, but also to prove to you that you know, to, to win a league, you need a solid defence and you need to be strong. Um, I caught some of the game and I must say I was quite impressed with your gardens, just how solid they are defensively. Danielson, as I mentioned, was was really impressive. Um, a few interesting, a few really good blocks and tackles, key moments of the match. And it's not only that, Steve, they played good football as well and the goal was really, really well worked. Fantastic goal from Kevin Walker who came on as a substitute because of a uh, an early change, but uh, yeah, he scored a, a lovely goal. It was a really well worked move between about involving about five or six players, um, sort of one and two touch passing across the boxes and uh, across the box and into the penalty area and uh, and, a good, and a good finish. Really well grounded out win. One thing that was interesting to me at half time as well, the manager of Jurgen was going mad at his players on the touchline, um, just really trying to rev them up before they went out for the second half. Uh, and it seemed to work because they scored just after half-time. It was nil-nil at half-time. And they came out and scored uh, shortly after that. So, a really big win for Jürgen, who got top of the league. They scored in the 50th minute. And I think that really does cement them now as potential title challengers. They are in this race with 12 games to go. They're one point clear of Malmo, one point clear of AIK, uh, five points clear of Hacken in fourth. And I think they are potentially here to stay, Steve. Yeah, top of the league. And everyone's played the same amount of games now. Um, AIK, obviously, right up there as well. Uh, Hecken, 
with a win, a 4-1 win, to get them to 33 points. They're five adrift. Hammerby had a chance to move up to 34 points, but um, they bottled it, didn't they, the weekend? They were cruising against Kalmar and bottled it. They did indeed. And, yeah, I mean, well, I had a bit of a rant about this on the weekend on, on, on Twitter and during the game, just watching the game, I was I was shocked um, at how they performed after going 2-0 up. I didn't expect that from them at all. Um, but, yeah, they were 2-0 up against Kalmar. They should have seen the game off. I mean, I know they were down to 10 men, obviously, that the, the keeper was sent off. And, you know, Kalmar did get a penalty to sort of get back to one and then they came back. But, but really, you know, a team that scored, as we mentioned, so many goals of late, six goals, five goals, six goals in recent weeks, um, 20 goals in the last four appearances. I was really surprised at how they just failed to see out the game, really. I expected them to, to win it. Kalmar in really bad form. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the thing with Hamby that separates them, and it just sums up that they're not going to win the title for, for, for me, really, the way they performed. Um, I think they they took their eye off the ball. That there was complaints, and they were complaining after the game, saying that they were sort of hard done by. But I just don't buy that. I'm afraid, Steve. When you're two 0 up in a game, even if you have ten men, you, you see the game out. And I think you know they made some strange substitutions. They took off Tankovic when when really they could have used him for the whole ninety minutes. Uh, and I just yeah, they they I was really disappointed with their performance. To be honest, I think you can safely say that for me, they that was a kind of leaky performance where you show that you're not going to win the league. Yeah, they conceded 27 goals, Hammerby, which is a significant amount. And if you just look at the top three, it's those three that have got the best defensive records. Um, I mean, obviously, not necessarily, all of these top teams, DIF, Malmo and AIK, not necessarily the most flashy of sides. There's obviously some very good defenders in the ranks here. Um, I mean, you mentioned one of them just now, Marcus Danielson. I mean, would you say he's the best right now in the Arsvenskan or are there others that can get close to him? No, I'd say he's the best. I think at the moment he's, uh, he's just one player of the month in the Arsvenskan and I think it's deservedly so. He's really been, since his move from Gusunsvall, uh, he's been absolutely fantastic, I'll be honest. He's just gone from strength to strength in that club and, and um, it's really, really impressive. In the game today, there was a player that I'll, I'll talk about shortly. Um, who he was up against a young player at Elsborg and he, he dealt with him well but yeah he's he's really been very impressive I think uh, for, for them this season um, he leads the line well he's good in the air he's you know really he's good he makes good interceptions he's, he's a strong player as well he wins his defensive duels and yeah just an all round really really solid player and I think he's fully deserved his, his um, player of the month award just quickly on on um, you know, on, on the league itself in general. Because there's some interesting stats regarding the, the, the clubs. I mean, Hammerby have scored 42 goals this season, which is 13 more than any other team. You know, so they are flying in terms of goal scoring. Malmo next on 29. Um, and Hammerby's XG is by far, you know, ahead of anyone else's. But it's where, you know, conceding goals has been their ma- major problem. But I think one thing I wanted to touch on is the expected goals, because... The expected goals against for uh, for Jurgen is the best in the league. They've only they've only been expected to concede 15 goals at 15.36 xGA, um, which is the best expected goals against in the league. So that just shows you that they're really, really you know performing 
um, at that end of the pitch. And it's, it's starting to show, isn't it? It's starting to really count. Um, and one of the one I wanted to point out, Steve, just before we move on, maybe to a wider discussion, Kalmar actually have the fourth best XG in, in the league, which is a, a big surprise considering they're near the bottom of the table, they're 14th. Um, I was really shocked by that. They, they've got a better XG than your garden, in fact, as well. Um, but yeah, Hammerby, Hack and Malmo have the top three with Kalmar in fourth. But Kalmar are let down by their defence and just obviously the inability to convert those chances. But uh, yeah, some interesting stats there, Steve. Very much on the interesting side. The Kalmar one, you certainly would not expect that, would you, at all? But um, clearly they can't finish their chances um, at all. So, um, yeah, it's always uh, worth uh, keeping an eye out for these stats. Well, must mention that this is uh, this data is via Scout, who we do have a collaboration with. And uh, keep your eye out on that Scout blog. We have uh, done quite a few articles on it this year. Um, it's very interesting stuff, so give it a read. Um, now, a couple of years ago, in the uh, 10 players to watch, uh, on your list was someone called uh, Marocchi Indione, and um, he's caught your eye recently, hasn't he? He might be that uh, this is his year to break out. Yes, indeed. Uh, Marocchi Indione came up clutch uh, with a, a massive goal um, in a recent game last weekend for Elsborg, which which really could actually save their season. Um, they beat Kalmar with a late winner. Which was quite a shock, actually, because they, you know, they've been in really bad form of late elsewhere, and there's been pressure on the manager. Their previous game before that was a five-two defeat <clears throat> to um, to Hammerby, who absolutely battered them. They'd also lost three 0 to AIK before that, and there was real pressure growing on the manager Jimmy Tellin. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned there, uh, a player who I, I highlighted um, a while back, he was in my ten to watch of 2018 season. Um, having scouted him in a, a U tournament many years ago. Um, and I really think this player is going to be a big player in the future in a similar vein to Benjamin Negrin, uh, Marocchi Indionia. And he's a 19-year-old player, um, strong lad. He looks like a big, you know, big fellow. Um, and yeah, he took his goal brilliantly, really. It was a late winner. Um, he's a six-foot-four player, really, really good stature about him. Kind of maybe a bit like Denver Barr, if uh, I had to compare him to someone. Um, and he took his goal brilliantly, and he was the hero of that game. The, the Elsborg fans ran onto the pitch. They were going mad. He ran into the stands. You know, it was a really joyous moment for Elsborg, who haven't really had a very particularly um, joyous season, really. There's not much to shout about. They haven't really done much. Uh, so it was, a, it was a, you know, I think it was a really sort of um, cathartic win for them. Um, it took them up to ninth as well. They're ninth in the table now, and it put Kalmar into the bottom three, which is a, a real worry for Kalmar. But yeah, he's definitely one to watch Marocchi and Dione, and uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think he will. And he, he started uh, tonight's game against Uruguay um, on the back of that. And I actually thought he gave Danielson a good game, and he, he came close once or twice with some instinctive um, attempts. So yeah, I think he's certainly one to watch in the Elfsborg game. And it's very good to hear um, Elfsborg being discussed on the Nordic Football Podcast. Um, there's, uh, well, there's usually more chance of seeing Lord Lucan, isn't there, than uh, them being mentioned on here. So, uh, nice bit of airtime for Elfsborg. Do we have any Elfsborg fans who listen to this podcast? If so, 
let us know, be in touch because uh, they're uh, clubs that don't usually get too uh, much of a mention. But good to see a young player going well there for, for Elfsborg. And uh, I mean, I just want to go back to those stats that uh, you mentioned, John, because there's some cracking ones, really. There's so many in detailed uh, things. And of course, stats aren't everything. But um, what else has been catching your eye in that department, would you say? Yeah, there's a couple of <clears throat> ones that caught my eye, I think, in terms of teams. Just just the general attacking ones, like I said. I think Kalmar, <clears throat> Kalmar's stats in terms of the numbers, they, they produce a lot of shots as well. They have, they've had 252 shots as well, which is the third highest in the league. So really that implies to you that Kalmar are actually creating a fair amount um, in terms of XG and, and, and shots created, but they're just not converting, uh, which raises question marks about maybe some of their forward players. They've actually had more shots on target uh, more shots on goal in this league than Hammerby, who have scored way more goals. Um, the top two in terms of shots has been Malmo and Hacken. And Malmo are really looking good in, <clears throat> in their attacking numbers in general, which could you know, drop hints about how the season may end up going. Um, and Hacken as well, you cannot ignore them. They've got the second highest XG in the league, just behind Hammerby. So, you know, those three teams are the ones who maybe look like you, you might expect to do to do very, very well. But you know, as the saying goes, isn't it, Steve? Goals win games, but defences win titles. And uh, it's those numbers from, from Jurgen, which we mentioned, <clears throat> the expected goals against, which are really keeping them, you know, where they are at the moment, which is top of the league with just such a low XG against. <clears throat> Hacken really struggle when it comes to XG against. They're fifth in the table. They have a massive dip there, obviously. EF Core are third. So their defence is actually performing much better compared to the other teams. But yeah, it's um, <clears throat> you can always gain a bit of information from the from the is, XG stats. Is this a league where uh, you have to really win it by defence rather than attack? Is it, it's not this doesn't feel like the sort of division where you can just go out and outscore everyone um, based on on recent years. Anyway, um, it feels like you just need a really really strong defence. I know you could say the same for most leagues, but. Especially this one, you're not. I mean, Hammerby prove it, don't they? They're, they're scoring so many goals for fun, but they're still six points off the pace at the halfway stage. Yeah, you're spot on. I was just going to use them as the example that, that kind of proves it, really. Um, <clears throat> as you've mentioned there, you know, they're blitz teams, but the Kalmar game just summed it up for me. You know, you cannot be 2 0 up at a low, you know, Kalmar was second bottom going into this game. Um, so one of the worst teams in the league in terms of the actual points attained, forget their XG and forget their you know, shot numbers. Um, they're one of the worst teams in the league when it comes to racking up points. You cannot go into a game like that, be 2-0 up. I, I really felt like if they'd have won that game, Hammerby, they, you know, they would have had given themselves a good shot, shot at sort of putting pressure on AIK and, and Malmo at the top. Um, but yeah, when you throw away a game like that, it just, it just sums it up for me, really. You can score 42 goals all you want, but at the end of the day, I think in the offense can it, it's the defense that will win you the title. Just look at AIK last season. You know, they barely conceded any goals and that just allows them to grind out results kind of 1-0 here and there. And I think that is ultimately more important than kind of blitzing teams 6-1 in various games because a lot of the games in the league are quite tight. And I think it's just the ability to, because there aren't many top-class strikers, as in genuinely, truly class, <clears throat> the ability to not concede ends up kind of outweighing the ability to score at times. So <clears throat> just going back to AZ as well, because, you know, the player that I mentioned to you there, Myron Bode, who 
against AZ. He's just on a completely different level to anything you get in the Svensk game in terms of goal-scoring ability. If any team had a player like that who can just dribble past three players you know, and take them out of the game and score, it's a game-changer. But no one really has that in the Svensk game. No one has a really top, top, top-class um, striker in that mould. So you need the ability to not concede and then to be able to grind out wins really in, in that way. So, yeah, I do agree with you and I think Hammerby are a good example there. Yeah, I'm just looking at the table for the Arsvenskin in terms of goals uh, over and under two and a half. And um, this is actually from a betting point of view, really. But um, but all three of Malmo, Jurgen and AIK are in the bottom six ranked, bottom five ranked, sorry, for, for most amount of under 2.5 games. In fact, the last five Jurgen matches have ended under two and a half. And um, average goals per game. In AIK matches, just 1.9, only 2.3 goals per game on average for Jorgarten. Um, whereas at the other end of the scale, you've got Hammerby, 3.8 goals per game on average, which is a staggering amount in any league. Um, I mean, just backing them on the goals line, it must be printing money right now. And Urubro, their matches are surprisingly high scoring, John. 3.1 goals per game there. I don't know what's going on there. I always perceive them as quite a negative side for some reason. But they're scoring goals. Well, their matches are containing a lot of goals recently anyway. But, I mean, say Hammerby are facing AIK, Malmö, Jürgen. What's going to happen? Do, do Hammerby suck these teams into a shootout? Or do the defensive teams win out and, um, and sort of suck them into a low scorer? Well, yeah, just on um, <clears throat> just on Odebro there quickly, I think a lot of their goals are from Carlos Strandberg, whose XG is one of the best in the league, actually. He's the fifth best um, <clears throat> player in the league in terms of XG. So he's really been responsible for many of their goals and, and their chances in the league this season. A really inspired loan signing, I think. Without him, they'd have been in real trouble. Um, to answer your question, well, Hammerby, you know, like I've said, I, I worry about them just in terms of how they're going to be able to stop leaking goals. Um, Obviously, they had Kosanu at the beginning of the season for five or six games, didn't they? But they didn't, you know, they didn't manage to keep him. He went to Bruges. They just haven't quite, you know, they've lost quite a lot of defensive players in, in the last year or so. Um, they had some players last season who were key and they, they've gone as well. If we look at their upcoming games, <clears throat> I think they've got, um, you know, some tough, tough, some tough games coming up. But, you know, when you've had a run, they've had a, a fairly kind run, as I mentioned on the last podcast. You know, teams like, um, Kalmar, you just have to be beaten if you want to win the, win the title, I'm afraid. And they haven't done that. Their next game is against Helsingborg, which will be a test. But I think, you know, for all their ability to score goals, you have to not concede. I think one thing, just to say quickly on that as well, I mean, Muan Matankovic has been such a massive part of it. Ten goals now, seven assists. He's blitzed his career record in terms of um, the Osvenskan. Can they keep hold of him? That's another big, big question because Jordan last in the top league goal scorers left. He's got 11 goals. Um, and it looks like, as we've mentioned there, there's a few others who may be off. So maybe Tankovic might be the next one now because he's really raising eyebrows. Yeah, definitely. And um, well, let, let's just move to the bottom of the table briefly. And um, there's a few teams picking up results suddenly, John. It's not very pretty down there, but uh, I mean, Sundsvall are struggling, like we said, they didn't have a game this week. But and Kalmar are struggling, but maybe that two all draw against uh, Hammerby, they can kick on from that, I don't know. But Falkenberg are doing quite well. They drew with Helsingborg. And AFC Astelskuna have had a couple of wins recently. They beat Kalmar on the 13th of July 
uh, did lose a couple of games then, but um, they've come up with a real um, shot, a uh, bolt from the blue. Um, their first away win of the season at Ostersund's uh, the weekend. I, I had this one down as a comfortable home win myself. Um, what's going on there? Yeah, and they, they really owe the return of Adi Nalic, the young uh, low-knee from Malmo. He's really had a fantastic season. He's been out injured for a while, um, but he was really key at the beginning of the season for them and in some games, and he's been key in his return uh, with two goals to, to win them that game. I must say, Steve, um, I, I didn't expect that one, like you said, as a massive result for, for ASES Castina because I thought they were close to dead and buried, really, and, and, and you would not have expected them to to win this game. Uh, I think it's summed up by the fact that I captained uh, Dino Zamovic in my fantasy team, which uh, pretty much sums up my season to date on that. But uh, yeah, a massive win for AFC. They go up to 15th now, obviously, still in the relegation zone, but three points clear of Gifsundsvall, who were rock bottom. <clears throat> a really, really big win. And I just want to point out on Ostersons, you know, the numbers for them, you know, we talked about stats at the moment, the numbers for them are not looking fantastic. Um, in terms of XG, they are the lowest team in the league in terms of XG. So they're bottom of the table when it comes to expected goals. You know, whether you buy the stats or not, <clears throat> that is just a simple fact. And when it comes to XG against as well, they're, they're not the best. They're in the bottom three for that as well. So that is pretty worrying for, for Ostersund. Um, despite that, you would have still expected them to have the quality to beat Eskilstuna, who have, who have the second worst XG in the, against in the league. Um, the table is pretty much similar to the XG against in that, in that sense. Gifsundsvall have been expected to concede the most amount of goals and they have um, in terms of you know, the XG numbers and AFC Eskilstuna are second, second worst. But yeah, Ostersons were not expected to, to lose that game uh, and they have, they're not really creating much. Um, and AFC Eskilstuna as well, they're third bottom when it comes to XG but Adi Nalic is a really, really clutch player for them and if he can stay fit for the rest of the season, the youngster, I think they have a small chance maybe of possibly avoiding relegation. I think a lot will depend on Falkenberg because I think Kalmar will get out of it. They have the battling qualities that I think they showed on, on, on the weekend that prove that they can you know, avoid the drop. So I think it's between Falkenberg, AFC and GIF at this moment in time for those bottom three places. Um, maybe Helsingborg and it's serious, but yeah, worrying times for Ostersons who are just maybe getting sucked towards the lower end of the table there in 10th. I mean, I'm looking at Ossesson's results because this isn't the first time they've failed at home against the so-called poorer teams. They only drew against Elfsborg at home. They lost against Urubur at home when Urubur were in really poor form. Um, they only drew against Sundsvall at home. And they obviously lost to AFC Eskils unit. Did they have a problem against the, you know, the poorer teams at home? They, it seems to me like Ossesson's like it more as an underdog themselves. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment uh, there, Steve. I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that they don't really, um, you know, we just talked about the importance of goal scoring. They don't really score many goals. I think Islamovic hasn't really, um, although he's a highly rated player in terms of club watching him, he's not racked up a huge amount of goals. And I think they just lack that ability to reliably score two, three goals in a game and see teams off. They've got a lot of nice, sort of skillful technical players like uh, Hossam Aish, for example. But you know, when it comes to it, they, they lack a bit of bite. And I think, as I mentioned on the last show, Sam Goddess is a huge loss for them. And it would be hard to replace 
some of the players they've lost in the last year, um, just simply because they've lost so many good players and it's hard to hard to keep that momentum. Um, so I don't think it's a necessarily negative thing for Ostersunds. It's just a reality. Um, but yeah, they, they, they just tend to be struggling in those sort of games. Um, serious, I think they as well, they drew, you know, when they were, they were sort of looking comfortable and then conceded a goal uh, from the penalty spot. And just struggling to see off those sort of teams, really, um, when you would expect them to win. Yeah, well, I think that pretty much um, pretty much is a wrap for this episode now, John. We're running out of time. Um, so before we go, I just want to answer a question that someone asked uh, me uh, from NK Oziek Football News, Croatian account. Uh, prediction for Rosenborg against Maribor. Uh, I think Rosenborg are going to go through on aggregate. Um, I don't know what the first leg is going to happen in um, over in, in Maribor. Maybe they might lose that one, two goals to one or something, or maybe a draw. But I'm fairly sure from what I saw of Maribor against AIK that Rutenborg got enough quality to beat them. Um, I thought uh, Maribor were very lucky to get past AIK, to be honest with you. Just uh, a physical unit. As long as they deal with the physicality of Maribor, Rutenborg will make it through on aggregate, in my opinion. Lovely stuff, Steve. And from two teams who have bottled it in uh, in Sweden this weekend, EF Koi Jotterberg and Hammerby, we're now off to bottle up uh, some milk and drink to the end of this show, or maybe something stronger, uh, and drink to the teams in the Europa League this week and Champions League. So good luck to all the uh, teams, especially Halgerson, who, as I've mentioned, I have a soft spot for, and I really wish them luck against PSV, which is probably, for me, the tie of the round uh, in our leagues, and I'll be keeping a very close eye on that one. Uh, I'm sure you will too, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good luck to all the teams in Europe, and well, we'll see you for another episode very soon, John. So, uh, goodbye to goodbye to everyone. Yeah, and don't forget, before we go, you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Uh, and on Facebook, you can give us a like, Nordic Football Podcast. So, please do like and subscribe or give us a rating if you... So, please, on iTunes. Um, those are the kind of things that keep us going. And we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash NordicFootballPodcast if you want to help us out with our special uh, shows every week. So thanks a lot for listening and goodbye.